News Talk Lunchtime with Jonathan Healy from our Cork studio in Opera Lane. Today in our Dublin studio with his first surgery of the year is our money doctor, John Lowe. John, good afternoon to you and happy new year. And a happy new year to you, Jonathan. Hope you had a nice uh, time. I had a wonderful time. It's a distant memory at this stage. The decorations came down last night. I, I don't remember the house being as austere looking before Christmas as it was last night, but uh, that's just with the absent uh, the absent glittery lights. Um, lots of questions to get through. Yeah. 53106 if you want to send one into us now at the start of the year when people should be budgeting, when they should be looking ahead. Um, a couple of things. In the early stages of 2013, as we are now, one mm. of the chapters of your new uh, finance annual deals with the, the personal insolvency bill and yep. this mortgage arrears resolution process. Yeah. It's all very new. Um, we don't know who these practitioners are going to be still who are going yeah. to deal uh, with the Personal Insolvency um, Act as it is now. It has just has to be signed by the President as we understand. Right. Uh, look, uh, how quickly are you, are you envisaging pros, uh, progress on this? I know you've written a chapter well, on it. Well, it has already started, Jonathan, because uh, first of all, in December 2010 the mortgage arrears resolution process was introduced by the Central Bank of Ireland. Um, they already have a code of conduct on mortgage arrears and uh, and part of that is that lenders must operate this MARP. MARP is Mortgage Arrears Resolution Process when dealing with arrears and pre-arrears customers. Now, there are five steps. Uh, so the, the, all the lenders, Jonathan, already start, uh, have already implemented this. First part is communication. Second part, then, is financial information. Think called a standard financial statement. They're already set up. Every time anybody thinks about either changing um, their mortgage or uh, you know moving their equity, their negative equity, to another uh, mortgage, or, for instance, reducing their repayments, uh, you know, putting an interest only out, they have to fill out this standard financial statement. Then comes the assessment, which is done by the arrear support unit, then a resolution, uh, and then appeals. So, uh, you know, once you've gone through that system, um, the lender must then wait at least 12 months before they can repossess. So then it comes down to voluntary surrender, trading down, or or a voluntary sale, for instance. But then, you know, after that, that's when the personal insolvency kind of courts will, will come into being. Okay, so it's a long and complicated process and, and there's still a, a, a few dark corners that we don't know much about. I, I, I will say this, that the, the banks are uh, now starting to kind of uh, be realistic, Jonathan. And, uh, you know, we've said it before, you can't get blood from a stone. This is very true um, for a lot of people who can't even afford the interest-only payments. So there, there's a reality both setting in for the customers as well as for the lenders that, you know, you can't get blood from a stone, you can't make a silk purse out of a thousand year old, the... Uh, the, the kind of little phrase that you can use. Um, and, and the reality is that uh, banks are going to have to start uh, negotiating. Jan- um, January is an awful month because people <laughs> who get people who are lucky enough to be in work, they, a lot of them would get paid monthly. Yeah. They meant they probably got paid before Christmas, and they've had to make that stretch out over a little bit of uh, enjoyment over Christmas and to the end. We're hitting the dangerous part of the month uh, for those people like myself who are who are salary uh, every month. Yeah. What's the advice that you? What's the most important advice you give to people now, well, um, given that you know things will be a little tight towards the end of the month? I you suspect. Know what, Jonathan, there's something like less than nine percent of people actually bothered to do a um, budget for the year and I would stress that that is absolutely essential if you want to know uh, what income is coming into the house and how it's going to meet the expenditure that you have write it down even on a blank sheet of paper all your expenditure and divide by 12 and then see how that matches with the monthly income that you're generating I mean uh, a lot it, of people are afraid to do that John I, I'm afraid <laughs> to do that because I don't know I, d- I mightn't like the figure I get at the end of it 
You know, little things like, you know, even if you were putting, you know, the TV license is 160 euro, divide that by 12, Jonathan, it's 13 euros, 33 cents. That's what you've got to find every month just to watch television, legally, at, at least. So, I mean... Uh, uh, well, hang on, you, uh, <laughs> as we have the Sky on top of that as well, or the, or the exactly. UPC, or whatever exactly. the case may be. Exactly. But it has to be, it has to be accounted for, it has to be accommodated and, 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 and computed. Uh, so, so, why not, you know, find out have you got the income? And if you haven't, there are two aspects then. One, you earn more or you cut costs. And after, we've said this before as well, once you've, you've earned, you can't earn any more. And once you can't pair any more costs off your, your expenditure, then your only solution then is to prioritize. And that's why, for instance, uh, last year, Johnson, 64,000 people stopped paying their health insurance. Yeah, and that's not necessarily a good thing either if they can't afford that. You did very well, mind you, from memory. I did very well, and I still stand over that. Um, Come here, let's get to some of the questions that are there. David is a hopeful first-time buyer. Good to hear uh, that you're in that position, David. He's going for a mortgage. He wants to know who's the best, euro for euro or pound for pound. Well, you know, I like to use an acronym here, TILE. TILE being uh, the term and rates. So the term is probably around 30 years. Um, Some will give 35 years. And the rates, I mean, you're only getting standard uh, variable rates now. No more trackers. And the fixed rates are just not worth going for. Um, for instance, the best of them are AIB, 3.84 for under 50%, although I don't think there'll be many uh, borrowers out there who'll be going for a 50% loan to value. 4.04 is the 50 to 80% brand band, and then the over 80% is 4.24. That, believe it or not, Jonathan, is the cheapest on the market. That's D- T for tile. Uh, the I for tile is income, and this is the important part, because you've you got two methods, Johnson, of uh, you know cr- creating a, a loan. One is either through the multi- Multiples, where your income is X amount per annum, and you know, for instance, the permanent TSB offer three times that income uh, to warrant a mortgage. The other uh, aspect then would be the net disposable income. This is a better route, my view, whereby you know, 35% of your net income should not uh, be, you know, you should not pay more than 35% on financial commitments. So 35%. You can work it out yourself. What is your income each month? multiply by 35%, and that's the amount of money you should not exceed in paying financial commitments. Uh, The L is then for loan-to-value. You know, 90% for first-time buyers, so David will get 90, 90%. There's one in, in institution that will give you 92%, but 90%. So you've immediately then the E is expenses. You've got to come up with 10% costs. You've got stamp duty of about 1%. That's up to a million if you're buying a property for a million. Um, and legals, 1% plus VAT plus the legal outlay. And even the valuation fee of 130 euros. It's all money. But, you, you know, just think of tile, and that's your, you're set on your way towards getting your mortgage. Okay, hopefully, David, that'll uh, give you some advice. Uh, Barry is in a different boat. He's headed to Canada for in March, in fact. He's wondering about leaving his accounts idle or pausing or shifting some of his coverage plans to Canadian ones. He's still getting his head around it, so any advice uh, might be appreciated there. Um, so what should he do? I mean, well, do it, like he, obviously, he doesn't know how long he's going to Canada well, for, this like is many it. people you know, who I are heading away. I think, Jonathan, the easiest thing for him to do is to set up a, a Canadian account first. And perhaps uh, he's obviously going to an employer, and usually I would tend, if I was going away abroad to another uh, country, I would go to the employer's bank, because at least the employer is generally well known that they're 
some other issues, but they'd be well known in that bank. And so therefore, an employee would be open arms, uh, kind of welcomed. So uh, he may also, though, want a, a lifeline back in Ireland. You know, he'll certainly be coming back with trips, so he still need the euros. Um, you know, uh, items such as life cover, though, I would actually check with um, the Irish providers here. He may have a life cover, for instance, Johnson, on, on a property here, uh, or, or just life cover that he just decided to take out. He may not be covered in Canada, so he needs to check that out. Most of standing orders, direct debits, they'll be cancelled, and he should make sure that they're cancelled by writing uh, in person to the bank rather than just ringing up because, you know, it, it can be lost in translation. Can you not do it online these days? Is you can do an awful lot of these you things can, online, as I found uh, you, out. Yes, you can do that online, but, you know, uh, I still prefer, you still need written permit- permission. You can't send a signature through online. Oh, you're so old-fashioned. <laughs> I went into the bank this morning, and there was, do you know the way that they replaced all the tellers with machines? Yes. And it was the first time I've ever seen it. There was a queue for the blooming machines. <laughs> and I, I was actually flabbergasted by this. I was going, is this actually what the banks have been it's, reduced it's actually, to? We're now queuing for a machine. Do you know what? It's like a self-service uh, supermarket when you go in there to some of the banks. It's a whole array of, of machines. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's like these uh, blades that you go into the, into the bathrooms, you know, where you put your hand in and, and, and the air comes out. You wonder what you're going to do with next with some of these uh, slots. Uh, but, yeah. but actually, <laughs> well, there's anyway. very little money going into it. I'll give you that much. Um, okay, so they're if not he, there for Barry to think yes. about. So just, just tread carefully I think is the, is the main advice. I mean the thing um, is though the, if he has a small balance in the current account I wouldn't be leaving it in the current account. I would uh, I would have a, a tiny balance in the current account and if he's got... Just to keep it open. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, put it into a deposit account even attracting some kind of interest. Seamus has an interesting question. I don't know what side of the fence he falls on, but he wants to know, will the property tax be payable by the occupier tenant like everywhere else in the world? Or will (laughs) Ireland be somewhat unique in uh, that it will be paid in the circumstances by the owner? That's a really, really good point, Jonathan. But, you know, when you think about it, could you imagine the revenue going after all the tenants, you know, going from property to property, looking to get their money back for for this property tax? I can't see it happening. Um, I mean, the household charge of 100 changes from the 1st of June and it goes then to this property tax of 0.18 under a million euros if your property is worth under a million. Over a million it's 0.25%. The NPPR by the way which is a non-principal private residence of 200 euros that's due out on the 1st of March. So you know practic- here, that, that's, a, that's a right wheeze. People who have yeah. um, properties that are rented out they're going to have to pay the NPPR for a year which is 200 quid that's right. and they're going to have to pay the property tax as well. That's, that's double taxation. It, I, I completely agree taxation. and I think Jonathan if you want to start a, a movement I would be right behind you <laughs> right behind I you. don't know a lot of people very annoyed over that because there, there are a lot of folks out there that weren't in there for the 15-20 properties they might have not sold their first property and, and, and then bought another one they find themselves having to pay these extra fees well you know what I, I actually think that this this um, tax will actually find its way uh, onto the rent of tenants you, you can see landlords starting to push up rents to incorporate the cost of this uh, property tax okay. I'm, I'm quite sure that'll happen. Quick one from another listener. Money Doctor, do companies pay dirt? No, especially if you tell your deposit taker it is a corporate account. Uh, but you do have a potential liability as the interest forms part of the corporate income. And if you are a profitable company, so if you're making profit over here in Ireland, you're 12.5%. So you pay tax on that um, income. But it's better than 33%, which is the dirt tax now. 
And let's start the year as we mean to continue with a perennial question. Would putting money into prize bonds be a good idea, money doctor? Yeah, I have a hundred euro it. left after all my outgoings are paid for. Would the, uh, like, I mean, to be fair, they, they're asking is it a good idea, they're not asking whether it would be safe or not, but yeah. is, is it a good idea, John? It, it's, it certainly is, is it still a good idea. I mean, as we know, um, uh, all the, the state savings reduced their rates there recently. But the prize bonds, you know, um, you know, 500 euros, uh, 500,000 uh, I have clients who, who have that kind of money in it. It's safe, it's NTMA managed, it's direct unconditional obligations of the government. You know, 1,600 euros will get you 16 bonds, Jonathan. It's not a whole heap. Uh, the lowest price, by the way, weekly draw is 75 euros. Uh, goes up to 20,000 per week and a million once a month. So, I mean, it's like going to your bookies except uh, you're going to get your stake back uh, you, but, you know, you, you, you won't lose Do the lose prize your bonds give away one million euros or one prize bond holder per month? Every month. Every month. Every they month. They need to make more of a noise about that. <laughs> they don't really advertise that very well at all. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of, of bonds out there. So, uh, but it's, it's good stuff, you know. I mean, you don't lose your money. That's the thing. You don't lose your stake. It'll always, you can, if, if you really need to go and get the money that you put in there, you can take it back. But, uh, you still have, have to a look chance. Down the ba- I'm going to have to look down the back of the sofa for those prize <laughs> bonds we got for the kids. They're not bringing in as much money as I thought they would. Uh, John Lowe is our money doctor. His money doctor finance and you will presume it's a yellow cover as always, it's John, y- is it? Yellow again, absolutely, I can't. Okay. I, and you're mentioned in it, Jonathan, as well, and so are the oh, team here in lunchtime. Hopefully in glowing and positive terms. I'll have to get a look at that now. That wasn't cleared <laughs> for libel in advance. John Lowe, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks Thank for coming you, in.